and I've seen recently on LinkedIn, some people posting and saying like, is virtual CISO, is fractional CISO, is retained CISO, is that the future of it? Because you get outside of that liability piece. Welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast, recorded under the big blue skies of Texas, where one CISO explores the cybersecurity landscape with the help of friends and experts. Here's your host, Alan Alford, President and CISO at Alan Alford Consulting. Howdy, y'all, and welcome to the Cyber Ranch Podcast. That's Andrew Wilder, retained CISO at Community Veterinary Partners. He is a member of the Board of Directors at Washington University in St. Louis. He is an advisory board member. He is a former global CISO. He is a former regional CISO. He's got real history in the game, in other words. Uh, what, what he's here talking with me about today is uh, the retained, fractional, virtual, you know, part-time, all these different CISOing opportunities that aren't your traditional, conventional, full-time employee CISO roles. So we're going to have a great chat about that. Andrew, thank you for coming on down to the ranch. It's my pleasure, Alan. Thanks for having me. You know, I've done a number of podcasts and video casts and stuff, but all my friends tell me once you get to the ranch, that's really, you really hit the top there. So this is, this is me. <laughs> this is, I'm peaking today. This is, this is the best you're ever going to get. <laughs> oh man. Flattery will get you everywhere. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the challenges of VC sewing. I guess the first and foremost one, the simple one is the, do I even have a job in six months? Like, how do you, how do you deal with that one? That's the biggest challenge. Now, people are, keep coming to me now and asking me to talk to them about VCSO as if I somehow know a lot about it. And I don't. Um, I mean, I've been doing it for about six months. This is my first uh, retained CISO gig or fractional virtual. We can get into the definitions later. Um, and it kind of, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, I know some people who are much better at it than I am, people who have been doing it for a much longer time. Um, but you, you hit the nail on the, on the head when you ask the question is, um, how do I know I'm going to have a job next? So unless you have a group behind you that can create that pipeline of, uh, of jobs for you, you don't know. And then every time it ends, then you're kind of scrambling again, looking for a new role. So that's really the challenge. And if you can, if you can get past that challenge, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. So, so it sounds like it's not just about building that pipeline. It sounds like there's a marketing and a sales burden both there, right? Like, how, how do you go about marketing yourself as a retained CISO? What have, what have you done there or have you? Or are you just banking on rep? Like, where, where are you going with this? Yeah, so right now I would say I'm banking on rep. Um, the new ones that are coming to me are coming through my network. Um, there's a great mm -hmm. quote that I like that is, um, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. So if you have a good network and they know that you're looking for these kind of opportunities, they will come to you, um, especially yeah. if you're good at what you do. Um, but I don't, I'm not very good at marketing or sales. I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay at it. Um, my wife convinced me this year to create a website for myself, which is kind of a portfolio of all the stuff that I do. So when people like you come and say, uh, hey, you know, you want to be on our, our podcast or something, I can say, okay, here's a portfolio of all the other stuff like this I've done. Um, I haven't really nice. used that yet to give to potential virtual CISO clients to say, here's the stuff that I do, but at least it gets my name out there, I guess. Yeah. I like that. So what's your, go ahead and tell us what's your website is. It it's cybersecurity in the boardroom.com in the boardroom.com cybersecurity in the boardroom.com. I'm going to go check it out after the show. That yeah. sounds cool. Yeah, I love do. the title too. That's a good, you, you snagged a good, I name. was surprised that URL was available between you and me, but I took it. <laughs> right. 
So, so that brings up another piece is let's say that you don't want to market and sell. Let's say that you can't rely on just reputation and network and, and you have to really get the word out there. Then that means you're going to work for somebody else. And I know there's a bunch of different outfits around, uh, around town, around the country, whatever you want to call it, uh, that are VC. So firms that will, um, you know, they'll, they'll provide pipeline in some cases. In some cases, there's the big firms that you still, you join them and you still have to provide your own book, right? Um, But let's imagine it's one of the ones where they find the book for you. Uh, I guess the trade-off there is they get a big cut. Yeah. And that's the other part of the challenge. So you, you, you know, you keep nailing it with the questions, I would say, Alan. So if you can get past the, will I have a job in six months thing, then you have to give someone a big cut. And then that's really the negotiation point. So if you can find people who will give you a good percentage of your own earnings, then that's great. Um, but obviously, if you uh, if you go with people who have the big cut, there's a problem. There's also, I've talked with some people about this idea of being a field CISO, um, which mm-hmm. is not the same as a fractional virtual, uh, that's, they're very different. Um, but I think some of our, our peers would say, if you go to field CISO for a vendor, you lose a little bit of your uh, credibility in the I'm a CISO, I'm a practitioner, Kind of thing. Now I'm on the vendor side of it, so that's one yeah, that I would yeah. be I'd be wary about. Unless that was you know the only thing that you had and that you could do, but I maybe right. be a little careful with that. Stick with the virtual fractional retained. It's probably better. Yep, yep. So I I got to say, from my experience, I've been doing it now uh, full time for a year and a half. Okay, uh, being out on my own, hanging my own shingle. Um, like you, it's been rep, uh, it's been word of mouth, it's been network. Uh, I have kept busy. I have stayed busy. It has been working for me. I was warned by a friend before I even started it. He said, you're going to bill more by the hour than, than, you know, like, like it's going to feel like a big number based on your hourly rate. Yeah. He said, but when it's all said and done, all the time you spend hustling the next gig and doing the things to line up and whatever, and the overhead and the paperwork and the invoicing and da, 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 da. He said, even if you bill at this much higher rate, you're going to end up making about the same you would have made working for someone else anyway at a full-time CISO job. Yep. And Thus far, that's been my experience. Um, I'm I'm working a tad less than I used to work, making the exact same amount of money, and you know I'm having to foot and fund all the things now, right? Like my health insurance is through my wife's business. Thank goodness she had that available. Same Otherwise, here. I'd be you know yep. spending a you know there's there's lots of there's lots of extra gotchas and catches there. And speaking of health insurance, uh, I had a real scare this year. Uh, everybody on LinkedIn probably knows by now, or maybe maybe not everybody. I, I, I posted about it. I was pretty transparent about the whole experience. But I was diagnosed with kidney cancer this year. And from the moment they accidentally, by the way, by complete chance, scanning for you know a routine thing and happened to say, hey, you got this mass on your kidney. From the time it was diagnosed and I was told, yes, you have kidney cancer, to the time I was told it's done, you no longer have kidney cancer was three and a half weeks. Wow. Which is insane. Yes. Right? Like like the best possible cancer story you could have. Absolutely. But the reality is that was done by surgery, and that meant there was a trip to the hospital, and that meant there was recovery time, and I wasn't getting paid for any of that time. That's the other big difference. Yes, I'm technically making what I made before, but I don't get PTO. Nope. Somebody asked me today, so is everybody winding down for the holidays? I'm like, no, man, I'm a retained CISO. I got to bill hours. I'm I'm not going to stop at all. Maybe I'll stop for like two or three days around Christmas, but that's about it. Yeah, I've got a, I've got some work I'm doing. One of my clients, I already lined it up. We're over the vacation. I'm, I'm dealing with some backlog issues that I just haven't had time for. I'm going to be working every single day over the vacation, yep. at least a little bit, yep, you know, two, too. three hours a day kind of thing. Um, 
Now, what about tax benefits? Um, you know, tax you've got you've got the working for yourself thing. You've got the full time employment thing. You've got the I'm a 1099 thing. Like, there's a million and one ways to play this. You can go form an LLC. You can, you know, what 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 have you done to navigate the tax landscape? So, fortunately for me, I already had a few LLCs. I I, I think you and I talked about this before. I'm a little bit of a slumlord as well, so I buy, I buy some apartment buildings from time to time. So I have some LLCs. So that was easy. The biggest mm-hmm. tax benefit is that you can put up to $85,000, depending on how much you make, um, into a 401k. It's a set 401k. It's different. But you know, the yeah. normal yeah. rate is like 22, 22.5, something like that. So you can put much mm-hmm. more and that lowers your taxable income as well. So you pay yep. taxes on the amount that's left, which is going to be significantly mm-hmm. less. So that's a benefit. There's also the kind of, um, you always have to be prepared because the tax man is coming. You know, when you right. when you work for somebody else and you get a paycheck that's W-2, they take all the taxes out of it. And so you have the money yes. to use. When you work 1099, you get the whole thing. Um, and if you're spending all of that money uh, come April, you're going to be in a bad position. So make sure that you're putting a lot of it away, putting it into that set 401k. Um, but yeah, yep. again, there can be some great tax. And you can do a lot of write-off stuff too, right? Like home office and vehicle mm-hmm. if you use that. And you know, internet service and like my website that I build, I'm going to write all of that off. So there are some yeah. benefits to being in business for yourself. Yeah, for sure. And I, you know, similar story here, already had an LLC that I'd had around for four years because of the podcast, believe it or not. I launched an LLC around that. Did a little consulting here and there on the side. So it was always something of a consulting thing. And then I just basically a year and a half ago said, I'm doing this full time. So as we speak, I'm getting congratulations on LinkedIn for my four year anniversary with my LLC. Yes, it's been around four years, but I've only been doing it full time for a year and a half now. Um, but same story, uh, SEP IRA, that's going strong. Uh, tons and tons of write offs, you know, all legitimate. I mean, yeah. the the it's amazing the amount of cost that you can incur that you start to realize like, oh, I can write that off. I can write that off. I can write that off. Um, you know, so all that's going on. Um, not 1099ing um, all the time, um, you know, different contracts, different things going on in terms of the way it's front loaded. Um, and you know, the LLC, I just recently morphed from a uh, sole proprietorship to an S corp. Yeah. And that's changed the way, uh, I received 1099 MISCs at the end of the year, you know, da, 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 da. Like there's nuances in paperwork and, you know, consult your CPA, consult your attorney. Um, but, but I'm finding that the tax benefits and the SEP IRA are definitely to your point. I'm, I'm winning there too. My, my accountant um, uh, recently talked me off the cliff of, wanting to buy a Tesla. And I was like, come on, but I can write off the whole thing. And he was like, no, if you don't need another vehicle, then don't go buy one just because you think you can write it off. So right. always, always ask your accountant. <laughs> right. And and that's, you know, that's something else too. People always, you know, a lot of people assume a write-off means you just get to write it off. You're writing off the taxation on the amount you're writing off. Yes. You, you don't spend a hundred dollars and therefore there's a hundred dollars less you're paying. It's to not a hundred dollars credit. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's the taxes on the hundred dollars you're not paying. That's it, yeah, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. it's it's not anywhere near. You know, it's a losing game to try to to try to uh, write off your way to victory, right? Yes, <laughs> you'll never win at that <laughs> game. Um, so work life balance that's another good one. I, I mentioned I'm working a little bit less than I was before, but I will be honest. At my last full time job, I was putting in sixty hour weeks. Yep. So uh, I, I'm probably realistically doing forty now. Yeah, I would say I'm closer to forty now. Um, I like to uh, rephrase it. Actually, somebody gave me this this morning in another uh, session. Uh, somebody called it life work balance. I like that. I like flipping it around a little bit. So um, I've got a two year old, and uh, you know, I remember when my when my first 
the kids were very young. I was, I was a consultant. I was on the road all the time. I would be home like two weekends in a month if I was lucky. And so I missed all of these amazing years and time with my kids that I can never get back. And now mm-hmm. I have a, like a real 40 hour a week job and not a 60 or 70 hour a week as a corporate job. And I actually get to spend time with my son and we go for walks in the neighborhood and it's really wonderful. So there's, there's nothing, I mean, tax benefits and whether or not I have a job aside, there's really nothing that can make up for that. Right. Right. Getting a little bit of that time back. I'm finding very quickly though, especially as I grow the business and start trying to get beyond word of mouth and to, to our earlier bit of the conversation, marketing sales pipeline, I'm about to be hitting 60 hours again, just, just dealing with that stuff. Right. So I'm, 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 I'm still, I've been at it for a year and a half and I'm still going back and forth and dancing and juking a little bit here and there and trying to find the right balance and the right thing. And, and I'll be honest too, when I started, I was charging less rate than I am now. Right. Like I was, I just needed to build a book quick. So I lowered my rates, uh, to get good deals. And, um, now my rates are going up, but I've got my old school clients that I'm not getting rid of, even though the rates are lower. I love them to death. You know, there's, so there's, there's all these balancing acts and all these things you have to do. Um, which reminds me, you and I talked about this earlier and you had actually hypothesized, and I wanted to drill into this one a little bit that you could actually, as one person work two full-time VC, so roles at the same time. And that was kind of a, that was kind of a theory of yours. Yeah. I, I really believe that it's possible because you talked about, you know, all, most of us, when we're in the corporate world, you're working 60 hour weeks is just normal. Right. And you think, Oh, I'm salary. Yeah. So, you know, it's all worth it or whatever. It's not worth it. You're burning yourself out. But if you think about it and especially it wouldn't be something that I would recommend that someone do as like a career choice. Is, yeah. You should go do two full-time VC so roles. But if you wanted to save up a bunch of money or put your kids through college or something like that, and you wanted to, you, you, acknowledge the fact that you were going to give up the life work balance and you really wanted to churn for a while. I think you probably could do it and, uh, and, and make some good money to it. Now, you know, people that I talk to who are CISOs who are retiring or retired, they're like, I don't want to work 60 hours. I want to work like 16 hours a week, but you can do a fractional right. CISO role for 16 hours a week and you can make a big difference to a company that really needs it. And you can set a high bill rate, as you said, you know, and, and then that turns it's, you know, it's not a full-time job, but you're still, not having to pull money out of your retirement early or something like that. So it's a, yeah, it'd be a good, yeah, yeah. good choice. So what I found for me personally, I've got two fractional CISO clients who between them are most of the week. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got an enterprise consulting gig on the side. I had another one before that. Um, I've got two advisory clients that are, you know, much smaller time commitments. And then I've got any individual project client going on. Like I'm doing a risk assessment for another client as we speak. Add all that up right now, peak moment with that risk assessment, I'm probably getting close to 50, 60 hours. But that risk assessment thing is a very short-lived one and it'll, you know, those kind of come and go. So sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 60, depending on whether I'm, I'm picking up another big one. Um, I couldn't imagine trying to tackle two really, truly full-time VCSO roles. But but honestly, I think the benefit of VCSO, I think the reason VCSO exists, fractional CISO exists, retained CISO exists, I think it's because a lot of companies are realizing, I don't really need a full 40 here. Like 20, 25, 30 tops, in some cases 10, 15. It just depends on the size of the company, the need, how much stuff's going on. But I think a lot of these CISO roles don't really require the full-time. So I could see working two 30s, for example, yeah. no problem, yeah. yep. you know? Um, two 20s, no problem, two 25s, no problem, you know, two 30s even, no problem. 
Um, so that's kind of my take on that one. I'm not quite sure I'd be willing to tackle again, you know, going back to those 60 and 80 hour weeks of two truly full-time ones. That would be, I just, I, I don't miss that life. I just don't miss it. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's possible. I, I'm not, I, again, I want to, yeah. I want to put a, a public service announcement out there. I am not encouraging people to try to do this, but I think, I think that you could do it. I get it. I get it. Now, now let's talk about another benefit of being an outsider. Like there's, and there's some minuses. Like I'll tell you today, there was a contract came through. I wasn't hundred percent sure I was allowed to sign as the fractional and not really a, an entity of the company. I had to go check in and everything was cool. I was able to sign, but I had to check in first. Right. right. So there's these little like moments where being the outsider has its minuses. Right. Uh, but you and I had talked about where being the outsider has its perks too. And I'm thinking in terms of, uh, Oh, I don't know. SEC. Solar winds. <laughs> yeah, I had a uh, I had a happy hour with Tim Brown on Wednesday, um, and he is not an officer, by the way. He is a vice president. Um, so even the SEC is going after him not as a CISO or an officer. He he said I'm I'm a vice president. I'm not an officer. Um, so and and I've seen recently on LinkedIn some people posting and saying like, is virtual CISO? Is fractional CISO? Is retained CISO? Is that the future of it? Because you get outside of that liability piece. And I think for me, man, that is, you know, that's a really wonderful thing. I don't want to have to go, you know, negotiate a contract that includes uh, personal legal liability or try and get that on my own. Because I think at this point, if you are going into a public company CISO, that's what you need to have, right? You you know, if you look yeah. at what's happened to, uh, to Joe Sullivan and to Tim Brown, these guys, you know, need to have personal lawyers, personal PR firms, to manage all the stuff that's going on for them. And, you know, a CEO or a CFO, that's table stakes for them. And in every CEO and CFO contract, they have that stuff covered. But yeah. CISOs historically don't have that. We need to go out there and negotiate for that. Again, if you're going for that, but I think that's really a, a big benefit is you don't have that liability piece. Um, at least we haven't seen yeah. a precedent for that yet. I don't think there's going to be that, but it could be, could be the future. Right. And, and I always tell CISOs who are signing up for a full-time CISO gig, you know, people ask me, what's your advice for what's this, that, and the other? And it's like, parachute clauses are nice, but DNO is a must. Like, do not, do not back down on DNO. Because if you're not under the company's director and officer's insurance, like you said, it is on you personally, right? Um, so if you're going to be an officer of the company, then darn well get on the DNO policy so the company is covering you as an officer of the company. Otherwise... Don't take the gig. Like that's my one hard line upfront bargaining stance is you will put me on your DNO policy, period, end of discussion. Yep, agreed. And you have to have something that follows you after you leave too. Because we've seen cases yes. where the SEC will go back and and bring bring suits against companies where things have happened in the past and maybe that CISO has gone on somewhere else or retired or whatever. Well, you can still be held accountable. The statute of limitations right. is fairly long for that stuff. So Right, right. Yeah, that's a really good point too. Um, so let's talk about this a little bit. You alluded to it at the beginning of the show, you know, retained versus fractional versus VC. So, and, and I'll, I'll mention before we start on the definitions and the terms, retained is a much more sophisticated and elegant term. I like that. <laughs> it adds more class to the operation. Um, but I have, you know, and, and I was told by my buddies, get a retainer contract. Like when you start this whole VC, VC, so thing, fractional C, so thing, whatever you want to call it, do it all on retainer. And I have personally not done a single retainer contract. I, I told myself I was going to. I told myself this is where I would go. I even technically sort of started a, a retainer contract. 
But I found that I just don't feel right billing people if I'm not working. And I ended up telling them I'm not billing you this month because I didn't do anything this month. And then the next month I ended up doing much more than we had agreed. And suddenly I'm back to hourly again. And I was okay with that. Yeah. So so that the, the true retainer thing for me, I'd love to hear your input on that. But I'd also love to hear how that ties into your retained versus fractional versus VCSO definitions. So I agree with you that retained is a very fancy word. I'm going to have to give credit to our friend uh, Steve Zalewski, who is the one who gave me that. Uh, and that, which is how it how it, it kind of landed in my lap. Um, I think it's very similar to a virtual CISO, um, but it it talks a little bit about the way that the contracts are set up, as you alluded to. Fractional, of yep. course, is I'm going to do less than 40 hours a week, and I'm just going to bill at that rate. The thing that I think is important about the retained CISO versus virtual or fractional is the ability to be on call for a cybersecurity incident. So for me, yes. there's a difference in my time if I am not working at all or I am available at any point to be called in because we got a ransomware attack or something. Mm, that's a real good point. To me, that's what the retainer part gives you, which is I'm always available or I'm available 40 hours a week or whatever it is that you put in the retainer contract in case there's any kind of an emergency. So that to yeah. me, that's the, that's the big difference between that and just virtual or fractional. Yeah, and that's interesting because all of my contracts have some clause about reasonable availability, 24-hour turnaround, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then I end up just making myself available anyway. And I guess it's because I'm so used to being a real CISO that <laughs> I, just, I just assume the call will come in and I will respond and there will be the thing. Um, so far, knock on wood, it hasn't happened. Um, but uh, but I, I, I guess that's it for me is I, just, I was so used to that on-call lifestyle, it didn't even occur to me to not be on-call. I just kind of... Yep. fell into that trap again. Well, being um, being even though I have contracts that say I'm not committed to, right? I'm not committed to contractually, and yet there I am doing it. Um, so I guess I don't know. That's that's that. So here we are, um, 21 minute mark, a uh, little bit of a short show. So we've got freestyle time now. What is your what is your best piece of advice? What's your guidance? Like folks that are debating leaving the full time CISO world to come enter this, you know, VCSO fractional CISO retained CISO world. What's your uh, what's your best guidance for them? So my best guidance, so when you go out there and talk to people who are doing it today, you're going to find two types of people. Now, there's probably more than that, but what I ran into is I'm going to generalize them into two categories. One are people, and first of all, both categories will tell you, you should do it. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Go and do it. Um, but one group are people who have a couple of clients, two or three clients, and they hold them very close to their chest. And they are not, there's no way that they're ever going, you know, you're going to pry it from their cold hands before you're going to get one of their clients for them, right? So they're they're happy to talk to you about it. They're happy to encourage you about it, but they will never, ever give you any clients. Right. The other the other camp, and I think you fall into this camp a little bit because you've, you've kind of started torturing yourself with marketing, um, is people who have more work than they themselves or they and other people that they've started working with can handle. And right. they're like, we want good experience, virtual CISOs, people who have been a CISO before, people who have reported to the board before, um, we want people with that experience to come and work with us and bill out hours. Now, we might not give you 40 hours a week. We might give you 10 or 15 or 20, but um, we have some stuff to do and we'd like to get you involved in that. So those are the two things. And uh, I had a, I met with a guy that just this morning who was referred to me to talk about virtual CISO stuff. And I started it just like I started our podcast. I said, look, I'm not an expert on this by any means, but I've been researching it and I've gone through some stuff and I have been doing it for a while now. Um, and I told him, look, the best thing that you can do is work this thing through your network. You know, going yeah. and being a, 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 
what do they call it, a field CISO or going to a different VAR or something like that, you're going to get nailed on the rate. Go and find people who are doing it, talk to them, find out how they got into it, see if they have any work for you or that they want to partner with you on and, and do it that way because that's the best, that word of mouth, the you know, real people who you know that are doing it, I think that's really the best way to get into it. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And, um, yeah, I guess I'm in that second camp cause I'm about to start hiring some 1099s of my own. Um, it's, it's growing, it's growing big time. I've got a big contract that if it comes through, we'll know in the next couple of weeks, if it comes through, I'm hiring three people overnight, or at least, you know, I say hiring, bringing on three 1099s, uh, it'd be a year long gig. So crazy stuff coming up. Um, and, and I want to do some marketing and sales. I want to grow this and make it a real business. I want to get to where I'm a CEO, not a CISO. Um, and actually running this consultancy business. And, you know, I've architected a new uh, company arrangement. I brought on a new partner. I, I haven't mentioned it yet, but all, all the ads for my show are still Alan Offered Consulting. It's actually offered in Adams now. I brought on Jay Adams, my right hand from Mitel, CISO in his own right. He's now my full partner. Uh, and we are going to be bringing on more 1099s, and we are actually got a, a very transparent structure to make sure everybody gets as much money as they can possibly get out of the deal. Uh, limited amount of money goes to overhead. Overhead strictly being sales and marketing budget. Like we're working on a whole thing here to start benefiting other CISOs and bringing them into the fold and letting them make fat stacks, ideally. Um, so we're working on that. That's kind of our, you know, that's kind of our deal there. So are you saying um, that if someone's looking to get into the virtual CISO world, that they should reach out directly to you at? Um, Alfred and Adams Consulting? Uh, not quite yet. Okay, so I need pretty another soon. few months. Wait a little I while. I need another okay. few months, okay. and then the answer to that question will be absolutely yes. Uh, that's the target. That's the goal. Um, and we've, we've built it to where the marketing and sales budget is capped at a certain amount. Everybody donates a certain percentage, no matter who's doing the work, partners included. Everyone's donating to that kitty until that kitty hits the cap. Then you quit donating to the kitty, get to keep more of the money you're making, uh, and, and then that kitty is just there to drive. Let's find the next gig for everybody before, you know, before this one dries up, let's have another, another one lined up and ready to go. So everyone can keep working. Very reasonable. Uh, so it be... sounds like you are, uh, you are tackling the, the main challenge of being a virtual CISO, which is that pipeline of work. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've got a good network. I've got decent sales and marketing skills. Um, and if I can generate a budget and hire real marketing professionals, uh, and and maybe even a real seller. Uh, who knows? Sky's the limit, right? So, my my vision is over 2024. I'm no longer the president slash CISO, but I truly am the CEO, and I'm doing much less of the CISOing myself, uh, and and instead driving the company and and building success for everybody that's part of it. So that's kind of the goal. That's awesome, man. Power to you. We'll see if I can pull it off, but that's the vision. Uh, so Andrew, any, any last tips or thoughts? Yeah, I wanted to say something that someone, I, so I've been looking to get into board work and stuff like that. And, and one person that I was talking to about it said, you know, it's really important that you have a good bench. And I thought, what? Oh, and why do I need a bench? And she said, well, you're going to get these opportunities. You're going to start getting board opportunities coming into you. Or you can think about it in this case, virtual CISO opportunities. And mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do everything that comes in. So you're going to need to have a bench of people behind you that you can say, well, it won't be me, but it'll be Alan or it'll be Steve or it'll be Jenny or whoever it is. Yeah, so you have yeah. some people on your bench that you can bring into that. So that really got me thinking about who's my bench. Do I have some people? On my, and I, I do. I have a great bench now, but uh, you got to be you got to be preparing that because like you said, if you if things really take off Absolutely. for you and you have so much stuff coming in, um, you're going to need more good people on your bench. So that's I think that's a Absolutely. good thing. 
Absolutely. And I've been working on that for the last year, building that pool and getting everybody at the ready. And, you know, there's, and of course, a year, a year ago, somebody agreed to be part of it. And then, of course, since then, they've gotten something else going on. But somebody else has just peeled off a gig. And, you know, it's always going to be a little bit of a rotation on the bench of because course. it's impossible in the CISA world to not have on the bench, off the bench, on the bench, off the bench going on. Um, but what I'm trying to do is bag some longer term contracts so I can lure people to stay on the bench, you know, like, hey, come over here for a year, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the kind of deals I'm trying to strike right now is longer, longer term commitments to give people more incentive to to not go full time and to rather, you know, jump ship and do the 1099 and start working for themselves, you yeah. know. Tax benefits, remember. Exactly, exactly. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming down to the ranch. This was a great chat. I'm not sure what I'm going to title this one, something about two crazy VCSOs or two crazy retained CSOs or something like that. Um, but I appreciate your time. Thanks to you. Thanks, Alan. Cheers, man. Have a great day. Thank you, listeners. Y'all be good now. <laughs> <laughs>